everybody, and welcome to the Post-Evangelical Podcast. I am Paul, otherwise known as Pastor Paul on TikTok and social media. And uh, these are days where I sometimes just like to come on for the podcast and just talk about what's going on in the GD world. The goddamn world is just crazy out of control. So today I'm going to talk a little current events and how I see those in a biblical context. And that'll be our podcast for this week. We, and when I say we, I mean the evangelical church. And the reason I call this post-evangelical is I don't think I am evangelical anymore. I don't, I think the world is moving beyond evangelicalism and what we see as an evangelical world losing its shit because it realizes that its day is done. But when that dragon swings its tail, it's it can have a sharp bite. We see in Jeremiah when culture got overturned, it had a big impact on people that weren't deep into what was being overturned because there's a lot of collateral damage. And that's why I speak out so vigorously against it because I've seen how this marriage of ideology and theology is a true and present danger to our country. We'll talk about that. And also, how do we deal with the message of salvation that comes from our church? That's in today's podcast. And before we jump into it, let me tell you about a couple of quick things. Our Deconstruction You discussion groups, a four-week session of looking at our deconstruction, at rethinking faith, rethinking God, rethinking faith, rethinking you. Deconstruction You. It starts on Sunday, March 6th, goes through the four Sundays, and I hope you'll join us for that. If you have been thinking, I don't really believe what I used to believe, but I'm not sure if I'm allowed to believe differently than what I've believed, then Deconstruction You is for you, and I would love to ask you to join. And also, what I do here is uh, not a, uh, a a, a part of any church ministry. I don't pass the tithing plate. I don't ask for donors to donate. So I'm beholding to them. Um, I take subscriptions on my website for people to give monthly as a part of their support for all the free uh, content. We give over 10 hours of free content a week and a whole lot of other great resources. And if you love what I do, would you be a part of helping out with that? At pastor-paul.com, you can click on that support Pastor Paul nav link and be a part of it. Or you can just, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, point your camera at the screen and join me there and be a part of helping make this ministry, this work, I don't like that word ministry very much, be an important part of the lives of people who have maybe left their church community behind but still don't want to leave their faith behind. So pastor-paul.com. Now, let's talk some current events from a biblical perspective on this week's edition of the Post-Evangelical Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. I am Paul Swearingen, known as Pastor Paul on social media. I'm glad you're with me today. And I got to tell you, the world is a pretty effing crazy place right now. And I am really often concerned about it. Sorry why I look for my 
I I tend to be pretty concerned about it. And and I am a hopeful guy. My mission has always been to bring hope to people. And so I tell my wife that I've kind of transitioned to be an optimistically pessimistic guy and an optimistic pessimist. I believe good things are going to happen, but that doesn't mean there's not going to be bad things happen in the meantime. And as an example, the, the CPAC conference uh, conservative political action committee was going on. And this was a CPAC was a small thing that started in the Reagan uh, administration and now is in this huge, huge space uh, that is just crazy. And the, the good thing about CPAC is that it really is exposing the heart of conservatism as the terror, terrible danger it is to us as a country. And so one of the speakers, and he wasn't a very highly platformed one, he was one of the early weekday speakers, was Rick Scott, who is a presidential hopeful, a senator from Florida who barely, barely, barely won his election. And if he's an elected official from Florida, you got to imagine that he's a little bit extreme, and I just want you to hear the language of what he said at CPAC and just see how this conservative movement now is demonizing anybody who isn't deeply into the fold of extremist conservatism. So this is Rick Scott, presidential hopeful uh, for the Republican Party, a senator from Florida, and uh, a speaker at the CPAC conference. Check it out. You know, we survived the War of 1812, the Civil War, World War I and World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and the Cold War. But today we face the greatest danger we have ever faced. The militant left wing in our country has become the enemy within. Listen to that. Now you may think, whoa, Rick, that's pretty dramatic. You're calling them the enemy within. Yes, I am, and here's why. Let's do a quick situation report. The militant left has now seized control of our economy, our culture, and our country. When you turn on the news at night, do you recognize the country you see? No. That is for your a dog whistle right there. Are you worried for your freedoms? The woke left now controls the Democrat Party, the entire federal government, the news media, academia, big tech, Hollywood, most corporate boardrooms, and now even some of our top military leaders. So do you hear what's happening there? And I could play more of it, but this is so extreme conservatism. And this is at the CPAC conference that's that went on this weekend in, in Orlando, Florida. Conservatism is built upon an extremist view that everybody who doesn't agree with them is an enemy. And, and by doesn't agree with them now, did you hear what he said? the left has now taken over all of the federal government. Well, Rick Scott is a senator in the federal government. Academia, network television, Hollywood. You know, he says, 
can you recognize the country anymore when you turn it on? That is a dog whistle. That is a, a cry to the white middle class to say, hey, we, the rich elite extremist right wingers, want you to be afraid that those people, those people of color are trying to take away your freedoms, trying to replace you in our culture. It is very much a racist dog whistle. Your family is under attack. Why? Because we want to allow gay people to be married and love who they love. We want to allow transgender kids to transition if they like and live as they like. We want a transitioned woman like Caitlyn Jenner to get to use the women's restroom should she choose. That's why the family is under attack. The family. I love that James Dobson has inculcated the, the Christian church with the idea of traditional family, a family that didn't exist, a family structure that did not exist when Jesus was on the world. Jesus would never have known anybody who lived in a traditional family in first century Israel. These are all man-made concepts that are being used to demonize. And of course, it's academia. You know, we don't want our kids to be smart and going to school and learning. We need them to be held in the echo chamber and indoctrinated. And so he's cutting off entertainment, media, any news outside the news that we control. Academia, we don't want our kids to go to school and learn and be smart. We're, we're literally changing our history. In Germany, they spend so much time teaching their children about the Holocaust and saying, we can never do that again. And in America, we're doing everything we can. Extremist right-wingers are doing everything they can to make sure our history is not to our children, not taught to our children, so they will be doomed to repeat it and relive it again and again. People like Rick Scott. Now, I don't know if he believes what he's saying or if he's so indoctrinated in it, he believes it's true. But this is a real danger to our country. Why do I say that? And, and I hate being an alarmist like this, but this is what happened in countries that have been indoctrinated to allow dictators to take over. They create an us versus them atmosphere. Those people are a danger to you, to your job, and to our country. And we are the only ones who can save you. Media, academia, government, they're all out to get you. Trump says it out loud all the time. They want to get you and they're trying to get you through me when he's a grifter of the highest order, just ripping people off for their money who are being manipulated by right-wing media. This is not Christian, folks. And so many evangelicals buy into this, and Rick Scott is an evangelical Christian. In fact, you want to hear how crazy this stuff is in evangelical Christianity? Let me play a video for you that I think is almost beyond belief. Uh, this is a stitch I did with Rev Carla the other day. Sorry, I've got my camera in the way here that I need to look around. I mean, this video is almost unbelievable. This is a woman who ran for senator in the 2020 election talking about Russia as a Christian nation, getting her support 
as I, I, this may be before the invasion of Ukraine, but around the threatening of an invasion into Ukraine. Listen to what this was. This was a literal candidate of the Republican Party for Senate here in the United States of America. Russia is uh, a Christian nationalist nation, actually Orthodox Christian and Russian Orthodox. So, you know, I actually support Putin's right to protect his people and always put his people first, but also protect their Christian values. I identify more with Russian, uh, with Putin's Christian values than I do with Joe Biden. Uh, so, you know, like there is that you know, that there, there is that there. And, you know, Christian nationalist countries also are a threat to the global uh, regime, like the Luciferian regime that wants to mash up. That person talked. The Luciferian regime. Do, do you know what she's talking about? She's talking about a satanically controlled world government that wants to take over your household your family. It's this big one. And you know who, who is the only people who can save you from that big Luciferian government, the Republican Party and Donald J. Trump. This is what happened in Germany in the late 30s. Those people want to take your country from you. And only I can stop them, says the dictator says, dear leader. I, I mean, th I think this is really scary stuff. And again, I, I get worried about being an alarmist, but I just don't think I can be too alarmist anymore. When I watch CPAC, when I hear Donald Trump talk, I'm like, this was it. Do you, so in the late 30s and, and heading into World War II, there were people, do you remember Charles Lindbergh? You know the name Charles Lindbergh, the guy, Lucky Lindy. He was fl flew the first uh, transatlantic flight. He was the first guy to fly from the United States to Europe. Hero. He was good friends with Adolf Hitler and leaders of the Third Reich. He came very close to running for president, and there was some thought he could defeat Franklin Delano Roosevelt very anti-Jewish, very pro-Nazi Third Reich. And he was a very popular man. Had he run for president in the United States, could have had a chance to win because we keep coming back to this place. When we're not taught history, we get in a place where we can repeat it. So let me bring this from an evangelical perspective. I was a leader in evangelical circles, was president of the board in an evangelical church network, uh, planted an evangelical church and was the senior pastor of that church for 10 years. My wife, on the other hand, was an elected official, two-term mayor in our city, a candidate for major office in the state of California, all in the Republican Party. And my wife and I, even early in the early 2000s in the GW Bush uh, administration, we began to get increasingly concerned about the influence right-wing politics was having in our churches, how because of abortion, they were becoming so intertwined that people were beginning to act like voting Republican was a godly duty, that Christians had to vote Republican for God. We didn't see that. We, we weren't really on either side of the aisle. We were both registered Republicans. But, but what we really believed is, is 
Jeremiah 29, 7 says, pray for the welfare of your city, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And the cities that were being talked about in those verses were exceedingly non-Christian, non-Jewish cities. And God was telling his followers, God was telling the followers of heaven, pray for your city, for in your city's welfare, you'll find your welfare. Salvation was not an individual get to heaven thing. It was make sure there is justice in your cities, and then you'll be doing the work of heaven. And so we were becoming increasingly frustrated because we wanted to see good things happen in our city. And my wife as mayor of our city was trying to make things happen. And you know who stood against those things more often than not? Evangelical Christians. We live in California, but we're in the Bible Belt in the center of the state, a very conservative area, although Fresno County is much less conservative than some of our crazy neighbors like in Tulare County or Kern County south of us, these very heavily ag, very heavily uh, Caucasian-based areas um, that have voted Republican for a long time. and and But we wanted to see good things happen. And it was the evangelical Christians who quite often stood in front and in the way of good things happening. And they would say things like, yeah, but abortion, we have to stand against abortion. And yeah, but we have to stand against taxes. And, and yeah, but our job is only to get people to heaven. And silly, crazy things like that, even up to people telling my wife, you should be home taking care of your children, not being an elected official. And we were just like, wow, our religious system is losing it. We got invited to the national prayer breakfast in 2014. Now, we didn't really realize what we were seeing at the time. By the way, we, we sat about 15 feet away from President Obama at a table with Nancy Pelosi and Ted Cruz, if you can believe it. They talked about Nancy's grandchildren who lived in Houston. It was very interesting to watch them interact. My wife and I didn't recognize it at the time, but we could we saw, now looking back, we really see how this these these dictator-controlled nations were there looking for influence, looking for connection to Christian leaders in Washington, D.C. Now, the National Prayer Breakfast is put on by this sort of eerie, somewhat secretive group called The Family. If you want to know more about The Family, Go watch. Uh, they, there's a there's a documentary about them on Netflix that I think tells a good history. And and we had some very good friends that that really wanted to bless us out of the goodness of their heart. So they got us those seats, and then uh, we got to meet Doug Coe, the leader of the family. And I have to tell you, it was one of the weirdest moments in my life. Let me give you a quick plug. I have a great course coming up called Deconstruction You for those of you who are rethinking your faith in this season or deconstructing 
uh, we call it Rethinking God, Rethinking Faith, Rethinking You. Four Sunday evenings in March, hanging out with me, talking deconstruction. I do a little bit of teaching and we do discussion and I would love for you to join. Go to my website, pastor-paul.com. Find out more about Deconstruction You and would love to have you hang out with us. We, we talk about who is God? How do we handle the Bible in this season? What is sin? What does uh, following Jesus look like? Do we have to go to church or are we forsaking the assembling together? All of those things in Deconstruction You, Rethinking God, Rethinking Faith rethinking you. I would love for you to join. And these courses are how I continue to keep my work going forward. And while you're at pastor-paul.com, would love to have you check out uh, clicking that support Pastor Paul button and look at ways that you can help keep this work going on YouTube and TikTok and the other places we do what we do. So again, out of the goodness of the hearts of our friends who thought they were doing something great for us and, and we love them for having that heart for us. We were taken to meet this man, Doug Coe, who's no longer alive now, but was very influential as a, as a Christian leader in DC. Uh, the documentary about him says the most important person in Washington you've never heard of. And we were taken in to meet this guy. And I'm, I'm not kidding you. It was, we were shuffled into this hotel room. People were like whispering, kind of like, you'll, you'll meet Doug shortly. And I've never felt more like I was meeting a mafia mob boss in my life. And of course, he had no interest in meeting me. I was just some pastor schmuck from somewhere. But my wife, an elected official, he was very interested in meeting. And, and it almost felt like when we went in, people were sort of genuflecting around this guy. And we had to kiss his ring. And he, and he gave my wife this, this glass globe. And he says, you're part of the family now. And, it, and we both walked out of there just like, what in the heck just happened? And it was... I, I still, the hair still stands up on the back of my neck thinking about it today. And this is what happens when our ideology and our theology becomes intertwined like this. I believe when we read scripture, this is what had happened in Jesus' day, is that nationalism and theology had become so intertwined, the belief that the people of Jesus needed to take over the government, overthrow the Romans and take over the government again, that the, these guys, uh, the religious leaders had very much intertwined their nationalism, their ideology with their theology, and it became this really ugly thing. And, and so Jesus said, don't let that happen because here's what happens if you do, you become blind. That you will be blinded to what's happening in a season. Matthew 13, it says, um, what has happened to them is what Isaiah said would happen, and it's become true. You people will listen and listen, but you will not understand. You'll look and look, but you will not really see. Yes, the minds of these people are closed. They have ears, but don't listen. They have eyes, but they refuse to see. If their minds were not closed, they might see with their eyes. They might hear with their ears. They might understand with their minds, and they might turn back and be healed or be sozoed or be saved, however you want to translate that word. But God has blessed you, those that haven't allowed your theology and ideology to be twisted together, manipulated by abortion and gay marriage and all of the culture wars of extremist Republicans like Rick Scott. 
God has blessed you for not allowing those to become intertwined. Jesus said to those people, you understand what you see with your eyes and you understand what you hear with your ears. I can assure you many prophets and godly people wanted to see what you now see, but they did not see it. And many prophets and godly people wanted to hear what you now hear, but they did not hear it. So listen to the meaning of the story of the farmer. And so then he goes on to explain this parable. Matthew 13 and other parts of the Gospels are saying, once you start thinking of intertwining your ideology and your theology and start to tell people, if you're a Christian, you're going to vote Republican, you are in trouble. You're no longer going to be able to have eyes to see and ears to hear. And I believe that's what we're seeing in people like Rick Scott and this woman who supports Putin over Joe Biden and can still speak that and be a candidate for office in the Republican Party today. Let me play another video for you that tells a little bit more about this, because I get so many comments from people uh, on my on my page saying things about uh, that clearly they got from from right wing media that I it just sometimes makes me laugh just a little bit. And so let me uh, I did a TikTok video about this this morning. And let me play that for you now. If you're a heavy intaker of right wing media and feel compelled to make comments like this on my page, you need to hear this. You're being duped. Right-wing leaders openly admitted, like Tucker Carlson, the most popular cable news show in America. When faced with the truth in court, Fox's lawyers have to say, Tucker's not actually stating facts. Sidney Powell was one of Donald Trump's lawyers and a major propagator of the big lie of election fraud. Her attorneys in court said that no reasonable person would have believed anything she said about 2020 election fraud. And this is Bill Barr, the most corrupt and partisan attorney general in my lifetime. Like most in Trump's administration, he's now written a book. And in it, he says the idea of Trump being president again is dismaying. Barr gave Trump legal cover for Trump's crimes when he was president, but now says Trump cared only about himself, not country, not principle, not anything else. Would have been nice if Barr would have done something about it when he had authority to do so, but like so many of them, he's a grifter on the take. To my right-wing Christian friends, I don't make this video to mock you. It makes me sad to see you taken in by corrupt people like these. They have every financial incentive in the world to lie to you, but the Bible says we should hunger after truth and righteousness. And when we hunger after wisdom, it will find us. If we search for something else, we'll find that. And when your leaders and influencers say you have to be totally unreasonable to listen to them, you should listen to them. I'm one of you. I've been there. I was taken in by right-wing media. I promise you there's a better world and a world with truth when you get outside that echo chamber. I pray you will. When your leaders tell you that you have to be completely unreasonable to listen to them, you should listen to them and not want to be unreasonable anymore. Listen, I get people all the time saying, why are you so hard on the right wing? Why aren't you hard on both sides? Why don't you, you know, do all these things? And it's because 
there's one side that's arguing politics and yes, does things that greatly distress me and are bad for the citizens of our country. But there's another side taking the name of God and intertwining it with their 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 ideology and their theology and saying, you have to vote for us if you're a Christian. And if you don't, those people, those people are going to come and steal your country and your house and your job. And by those people, we all know who they're talking about. Those who look different, who maybe came from south of the border or some shithole country somewhere. We all know. Why am I harder on this? Because you're taking God, God's name in vain. Taking God's name in vain is not saying shit. Taking God's name in vain is using the name of God to put curses and bondage onto people. And the Republican Party has expertly used culture war issues like abortion and gay marriage to put bondage onto our citizens. And they have put our very culture at risk. And if we don't wake up to it, if we don't have people who are in bondage to this right-wing media willing to say, ooh, if there's any chance that I am in bondage to my echo chamber, I want to step outside of it. I'm, I'm not trying to make fun and tear down any evangelical. I'm trying to say, guys, you must look in the mirror. You are following the same path that the people of Jeremiah's day followed and the people of Jesus' day followed. And, and other times in history when people have given themselves over to an ideology and lost their ability to reason, even up to killing people and saying they're doing it in the name of God. Rick Scott says, we've survived all these wars but there's no greater danger than those people. That is a sin, I believe, to make that statement because you are putting the bondage of fear onto people. And I think these are not good people making these statements. And I want to encourage you who are listening to my podcast today to be free to say no thank you to right-wing Christianity. It is not good for you. It is not from heaven. And it looks nothing like Jesus. Have I made myself clear? I, I mean, if Tucker Carlson goes into court and his lawyers can with a straight face argue, nobody believes Tucker's talking factually. And I guarantee you, I know people who believe Tucker is talking factually. And they go into court and Sidney Powell's attorney say, oh, come on, judge. No, no reasonable person would believe it when Sidney Powell is talking about voter fraud to overturning the 2020 election. I know many people who believe that exact lie. And I'm just asking you to think for a moment. Is there any chance you've gotten it wrong and you've been so indoctrinated in a religious echo chamber that has now given itself over to politics that you're stuck in something that you would not like to be stuck in and you ought not to be stuck in. I encourage you to take a week off from your right-wing media and see if your heart doesn't start to be changed because that's exactly what happened to me.
realizing how angry right-wing media was making me and how angry at people. I said, you know what? I'm going to stop listening to the, listening to this stuff for five days. I said, five days, I'm going to stop listening to Rush Limbaugh. And I was stunned. I was stunned when I realized the impact this media was having on my heart. I call it the proctologist of society, that that uh, the Rush Limbaugh types, and of course, Rush is now no longer with us, uh, but Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, they are, they are the proctologist of society. What, what is a proctologist of society? Well, you know what a proctologist does? They look and work at it with a particular part of the body that is not the most attractive part of the human anatomy. And so the proctologist can maybe get pretty myopic and say, wow, the human body is ugly and not the most attractive place. But the artist looks at the whole of the human body and says, wow, what an incredible work of art the human form is. Don't listen to proctology media that's always trying to create an enemy for you every day. Don't listen to a Rick Scott who is trying to create fear for his own power and own benefit. Listen to multiple voices. I'm not telling you to flip from this side to that side. I'm saying allow yourself to start to recognize that this stuff may be having an impact on my heart that I don't want it to have. The Bible says, be transformed by the ongoing renewing of your mind so you can know what is good and perfect and right in a season. Jesus said it this way, you won't have eyes to see or ears to hear. Paul wrote in Romans that if you're not continually transformed by the renewing of your mind, you will not know what is good and right in a season. And we have seen this through history where the church and smart people have partnered up with dictators, even to the point of killing groups of people because they weren't willing to step outside their echo chamber and their community narrative. And I see the same thing happening in America today. We got to step out of it. I hope you can hear that and listen. All right. I wanted to finish up the podcast today. Uh, I got a wonderful email from uh, a lady named Eileen, and you'll and we'll be talking about this in my community chat on my website at pastor-paul.com. And basically, she is saying in her church, they teach, you know, the basic evangelical Christianity that there's a Trinity, God, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, that Jesus was sent to earth to die, to placate God with his own blood for the sins of the world. And once we accept that through a prayer, then we get to go to heaven and we get to be a part of God's family. And she said she's struggling to still hold on to this belief, but it's so indoctrinated in her and so pervasive that she's afraid if she doesn't crucify her flesh her lust and desires that uh, she's going to go to to hell. And of course, uh, she, she won't be part of the bride. And the bride, of course, in her religious belief system, probably Jehovah's Witness, I would guess, says there are only 144,000 people who are going to heaven. So that's a very small, small percentage of humanity that gets to go. And so she finishes it by saying, it's not your responsibility to ed educate me or help me deconstruct or reconstruct, but if you find it in your heart to help me clear this up, I'll greatly appreciate it. And, and let me tell you, this is this is a theology that is very, very, uh, very much a bondage for so many of us that we were taught sin 
is a code, a written law. And, and like Christianity is like, no, it's not a written law. It's just relationship between you and God. And that relationship then will give you this other code and law that says you can't be gay and you can't have sex before you're married and you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't smoke, you can't chew, you can't go out with girls that do, you know? And so they're always like, no, our, those, those people have the law. We don't have the law. Ours is grace and relationship and don't be gay, you know, and don't be this and don't be that, you know, all these other rules. They do have a code. They do have law. Don't let them tell you anything differently. And it is very capturing. I'm not going to go deeply into this, Eileen, and I'll write some more on the community page on the pastor-paul.com website. But let me tell you this. We see in Genesis 19, I believe it is, this, this symbolic partnership between heaven and humanity made. Uh, it was written in the story of Genesis of Abram, who would later become Abraham and God, doing this covenant uh, formality of cutting these animals in two and making this bloody path where two heads of household would walk through that path together. And the symbolism of it was your family is now my family. My family is now your family. And if we ever fail to treat your family like our family, may it happen to me as happened to these animals. May I be split in two and my blood poured out on the earth. And two heads of household would walk through those animals to secure that covenant. Well, God has Abram lay out the animals. And then in the story, God passes through the, the bloody path and not Abram. God is saying, if our covenant gets broken by you or by me, I will take care of it. My blood will take care of it. And so Jesus is the symbolism of that. Jesus is the demonstration in the first century of like, hey, let me remind you that you don't need a religion to connect you to heaven and have access to the wisdom and goodness of heaven so that you can make it on earth as it is in heaven and advance the kingdom of heaven on earth. You don't need Christianity. You don't need a religion and a priest and a prophet and somebody taking you to God. You get to go right to heaven because you're a part of the whole thing of heaven. And then Either Paul being a religious guy started like saying, you know, we need to build a religious structure around this. Or Paul was just dealing with the issues of the day and other human beings down the line said, let's take Paul's words and make them into this religious structure. Most people that attend an American Christian church today aren't actually followers of Jesus. They are followers of Paul. They are Paulians, not Christians. I believe Jesus came to point us back to that covenant between heaven and humanity. We see this in Isaiah 9, and this is how, what I'll finish with for this episode of the podcast. It's kind of turning into a sermon, and I'm a preacher, and so that happens. But to my friend Eileen, Isaiah, I said, I say, Isaiah 6, I mean, Isaiah 6 is about Isaiah being in a vision of seeing a God on, on the throne of heaven and Isaiah saying, I'm not worthy. I'm a terrible person. I don't belong here. And he falls on his face and says, I'm going to die because we're not supposed to see the face of God. And then heaven says, no, let us remind you who you are. They purify him with fire. By the way, I don't believe in eternal hell fire. I believe fire is always in the Bible, a purification tool, not a punishment tool. 
Isaiah gets purified with fire from the throne room of heaven. And all of a sudden, this cry goes out from heaven and says, who can take the message of heaven to the world? And Isaiah, this guy who was who was doing Wayne's World just a moment ago, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, suddenly jumps up and says, I'm the guy, send me to take this message of heaven to the world. And that is what the story of Jesus is all about. Jesus didn't come to condemn us, it says in John 3, 17, but to sozo us, to to teach us how to be restored in understanding who we are as a fearfully and wonderfully created human being who gets to walk in partnership with the spirit of heaven, the divine spirit, the supernatural that's all around us to walk together. And yeah, Christians will break out verse after verse after verse to say, no, you're wrong. But that's because they've been indoctrinated to see the Bible as two-dimensional words on a page rather than a story, a narrative of humanity. And the narrative of humanity is the spirit of heaven that has been interpreted as God by these ancient human beings as this man on a throne. But this amazing spirit of heaven that is a part of all of us and Jesus coming to say, let me remind you who you are in partnership with that spirit because then you will walk as your best self. You will live self-sacrificially in a way that I'll demonstrate by going sacrificially to the cross and you will then serve one another and die to yourself for one another and that will make the world operate well. Religion tears us apart and takes us down and tells us we're worthless. Jesus says you're amazing and you should be lifted up and understand your relationship with God is amazing because you are amazingly made and have an amazing ability to walk in partnership with heaven. Don't let any church or Christian tell you that original sin is a philosophy that is true in the Bible. That is a man-made philosophy that the church never believed for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. It was made up just a thousand years ago, 1300 years ago or whatever, but it wasn't there in the beginning. Jesus came to say, let me remind you who you are. You don't need this priest and these rules to be in relationship with God. You just need to understand who you are and stand up in that in relationship with heaven. That's my answer to it all. And I think the only thing that corrupts us from understanding that is religion. And that's the theme of the show, an interconnected ideology and theology that says you must vote Republican to be Christian because abortion and gay marriage are the only things that matter to God are not biblical. And in this day, they've taken away the eyes to see and ears to hear of Christian people and, and Christian people, evangelicalism, men like Rick Scott have become a threat and a danger to our culture and a threat and dangerous to actual human beings. And that's why I speak up the way that I do. I appreciate you listening today. Don't forget, let me pub one more time that I have a uh, a discussion group coming up four Sundays in March with Pastor Paul, our Deconstruction You group called Rethinking God, Rethinking Faith, Rethinking You. Go to pastor-paul.com 
to sign up. And maybe you say, you know, I, I don't have time to be in that class. I can't do that now, but I really appreciate what you do, Paul, and all the free content you put out, all the the one-on-one -on -one sessions you have with people to help them feel better. And I would just like to be able to help support what you do. Well, you can do it on your YouTube screen. Just point your camera at the QR code there. It'll take you to the website. Click on that pastor support pastor Paul link, and you can be a part of helping make sure what I do continues here on my social media, on my YouTube channel, and on my website, pastor-paul.com. And would you go to the website and help out? That's going to do it for my podcast. I'm glad you're with me. Uh, don't forget that we have all kinds of cool stuff going on. We have mindfulness moments every Tuesday morning where we have prayer and, and uh, a quiet contemplation time together. Sunday community on Sunday mornings, my Bible talk on Saturdays, all kinds of cool stuff. And you can find out about it all at pastor-paul.com. That'll do it for the post-evangelical podcast. Love to you all. <laughs>